good morning, New Hope family, to all of those who are here in the room with us, all of those live online, and to those who will watch later this week. Every week we have the opportunity to stream our services into the Eunice Correctional Facility of Brothers and Sisters in Christ who watch us and join in with us, and they are growing in the Lord down in that facility. Would you please help me in welcoming all of those people who are joining us Hundreds, apparently, according to Pastor John, who looks into how many things are happening in the world of technology, hundreds of people, uh, sometimes thousands on a weekly basis that go back and, and check us out. We are in this series, wrapping up this series on uh, our, our, my big fat mouth. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life, if I were being completely honest, which I should be, where my mouth got me in a little bit of trouble. So one of the things that we're going to do as we get ready to go back to school, send our students and our children, our teachers, our administrators and staff members back to school is we're going to take the first week of August and for many people the first week of school and we're going to fast and we're going to pray because very simply we believe that if we can monitor what goes in our mouth then we will be even more conscious of what comes out of our mouth if you will be more conscious of what goes into your mouth you'll be able to monitor better what comes out, period, of wherever it decides to. Anyway, so what we do this week is we fast and we pray. Because listen to me, fasting without prayer is just a really weird diet. Fasting, go daylight to dawn without food. Wake up earlier, pray with us every day this week. We'll be here at 6 a.m., 6 a.m. in the sanctuary. We'll have a prayer atmosphere set. We'll have worship music playing. You can walk, you can sit, you can kneel, you can stand and, and pray. And at the end of about 50 minutes, one of our staff members and myself will come up and we'll close that out and we'll launch ourselves into our day and give God the first week of what will hopefully be a blessed school year where we reach the mission field called the public school campuses in this community, private school campuses in this community. We believe that if we will disconnect from the world for even just a week through fasting and reconnect with God through prayer, then we will grow closer to God together and establish habits this week of prayer is for us to pursue God. Even if you don't know what to fast, and if you need some help with that, you're welcome to ask us, email us. Just lay down one thing that would make you more conscious, more consistently conscious of God's presence. One item of food, one item of technology, whatever it is. But the objective is to pursue God and ultimately pursue truth. As we land the plane of this series this week, uh, one of the first things that I've noticed we all, uh, specifically our children, learn to do is escape the truth if it's beneficial for us. Now, I know that none of you have ever attempted to escape the truth, which is just a really nice way of calling you a liar. 
Uh, but I know that none of you have ever done that. But I have seen in the sweetest of most innocent faces the ability to stone face lie directly to me and me struggle to believe whether this three-year-old is manipulating me or whether he or she is really telling me the truth. And as I tell you this story, I have to confess this. In first service today, I told a lie. I didn't mean to necessarily. The first time that I whispered a child's name, but the second time it was absolutely intentional and I had to apologize, I had to confess um, not just for forgiveness, but for healing in my household because I told my child I would not say the name of the child whenever I told this story. It wasn't very long ago that my wife went to get all of the pastor's wives got together and they chipped in and, and they went and got uh, Pastor Dylan's bride, Sierra. It was her birthday and, and they were coming home. And so they went and got a big basket full of girly goodies. Um, and then one really big bag that, that I, I, I don't know if you can have food lust, but if it's possible, it was, it was happening to me because it was this giant bag. I didn't even know they made bags of this stuff. This it was this giant bag of Sour Patch Kids. Like, I learned to love Sour Patch Kids for $7 a pop at the movie theater in Shreveport, Louisiana, and they were like this big. This was like a $4 bag of 17 of those. It was phenomenal. I'm like, the Lord has poured out manna into my living room in the form of Sour Patch. And one of our children thought the same thing. And so that child opened the bag of Sour Patch Kids that was actually for Miss Sierra. And so my wife saw it, but before she even saw it, that child whose name I dare not say in the name of Jesus, but I, that child came out to Megan and said, Mommy, who are those Sour Patch Kids for? She didn't say, because I just opened them. She just said, who are these Sour Patch Kids for? And Megan, looking back into the innocence and sweetness of what she gave birth, she said, they're for Miss Sierra. So then she came inside and saw that the Sour Patch Kids had been opened. And because I wasn't around, I wasn't able to be the culprit. Otherwise, it would have been blamed on me instantly. But she went back to the child and said, did you open the bag of Sour Patch Kids? And the child blatantly, adamantly, seemingly, innocently looked back into the eyes of her mother and said, no, ma'am. <laughs> now, we have two rules in our house. We have a lot of rules, but these two for sure are, number one, you do not lie. Because if you lie, you get a whipping. It's automatic. There's, there's no discussion. There's no grace to be given. If you lie, I whip your backside. That's how it, just how it goes down. If I find something out before you tell me, you get a whipping. So those are our rules. We want you to come to us. Please come tell us what's going on in your life. We want to know. We will help you. I won't whip you 
like you know I will if you'll come to me, if you'll be honest and open. But if you lie or if I find out before you tell me, I will get my belt and leave marks of remembrance on your tail. It's just the way that we operate. And so my child, knowing this, looked at her mother and said, no, it wasn't me. And Megan said, child whose name her father is not allowed to say. Child of mine, as if we speak in third person in our house. Child of mine, who, I'm going to give you one more chance. Just one. One more chance to tell me the truth. I'm going to call Walmart, and I'm going to blame their workers for opening our Sour Patch Kids and helping themselves. Do I need to call Walmart, or did you open the bag? And that little lip began to quiver. And those little eyes began to water. And that child whose name I shall not say looked into the face of mother and said, I did it, I'm sorry, it was me. It is our nature to cover up. It is our nature to embellish, it's our nature to exaggerate so as to impress. It is our nature to maybe stretch the truth or leave out particular details of the truth so as to avoid conflict, get away with something, shift the blame, or just very simply know that dress does not make you look larger than normal. No, those pants are not too skinny. And unfortunately, that is not even a gender-friendly phrase in this day and age because many men wear pants who somebody should have told them, boy, those pants are too skinny. If you have to lay down to pull your leg in, they're too tight. Whatever it is, the University of Michigan, Massachusetts did a study not too long ago that said 60% of people cannot have a 10-minute conversation without lying. 60% of people cannot have a 10-minute. So if you had a 10-minute conversation with anyone on the way in here, 60% of them lied to your face. Welcome to New Hope. We're so glad you're here this morning. So glad. If I, were to raise your, if I were to have you raise your hand, which I dare not, because then some people wouldn't raise their hand and they would tell a lie in church, which is not any worse than telling a lie anywhere else, but for some reason, we feel worse about it. According to statistics, four times a day, mankind has a tendency to lie, tell a partial truth, exaggerate, embellish, or avoid altogether confessing and being honest four times a day. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. This is a place I would recommend you highlighting in your device or your paper Bible. In the New Living Translation, it says this, the Lord detests, he detests a lying tongue. But he delights, he delights in those who tell the truth. Now, just hang tight on that verse with me for just a second because that first word, detest, to Abba in the Hebrew, to Abba in the Hebrew, it literally means 
to make nauseous. The word is best translated as something disgusting, an abomination, an abhorrence, or something that makes one nauseated. In other words, when God hears His children lie, just like when we hear ours or someone else's or someone, it causes a nauseous indignation inside of God. At the same time, this, this verse goes on to give us a solution. He said, but He delights in those who tell the truth. In fact, a better translation of this verse is to put he delights at the end and it read this way. Not does he just delight in that person who tells the truth, but in those who tell the truth, they are his delight. They are his. He doesn't just delight in them. Their very existence, their being becomes his delight. This same word is used in the book of Ezra, and it is reproduced in the English as in God's will. So God doesn't just delight in honesty. He doesn't just delight in absolute truth. But in those who tell the truth, they are his will. They encompass the will of God, and they are his delight and his fulfillment. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this way, again in the New Living Translation, since you have heard about Jesus, but you didn't just hear about him, you have learned the truth. That's very important. You have learned the truth that comes from not within yourself, but from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust for Sour Patch Kids and deception over opening the bag. Verse 23, instead, like I'm not just telling you what not to do, I'm giving you a replacement. I'm not just removing who you're not supposed to be, I'm replacing with whom you are supposed to be Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts because it starts on the inside. Let Him renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Watch this, verse 25. So stop telling lies. Stop keeping secrets. Stop exaggerating the truth or only telling partial truths, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. It is the appeal of Scripture that we would not be able to continue in a non-absolute truth that God has for us. Where and why is this so important? When John chapter 8 Verse 44, Jesus actually tells his disciples and the one that loves him the most, make sure that we know right there down in the middle, for you are the children of your father, the devil, if you're telling a lie and you love to do the evil things he does. 
well, man, I'm not that bad of a person. Listen, apart from Christ, we are. Apart from Christ. He, the devil, Lucifer, was a murderer from the beginning. He has always, always hated the truth. For there is no truth in him. There's no truth in Lucifer. Satan, the devil, powers and principalities of darkness, demonic spirits. There's no truth there. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. One version actually says, when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. It is his natural language to tell a lie. If it is our natural language to avoid the truth, to tell a partial truth, or to tell an absolute lie, which by the way, a partial truth is a whole lie. And if it's not, then it will lead to one. Because any area that you are willing to allow the enemy to have a foothold, he will eventually step in and cause a stronghold in your life. It's his native language. He is, verse final piece of this passage, he is a liar and the father of all lies. Lucifer is the great deceiver. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's the prince of darkness and he is the father of all lies. So when we lie, we operate in the darkness. We speak death. We remain in a void, futureless, productionless atmosphere. We become more like Adam and the woman who gave their dominion away to the enemy then we become like Jesus who bought it back. As the enemy is the father of all lies, I want you to remember that Jesus is the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in Christ, we are joint heirs according to the promise of Abraham. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So just as Lucifer has a plan of destruction for our lives, which leads us into eternal separation and eternal darkness, God has a plan for our lives, which leads us into production and divine destiny. And it is up to us to choose whose plan we are involved in. The enemy's plan, number one, is to get you to lie. If you're taking notes, write that down. Number one, get you to lie. Your notes are almost always on the back of your bulletin, or you can always pull them up on eunicechurch.com notes. It's to get you to lie. It's to exaggerate maybe just a little, to tell just that white lie. Instead of Saying where you really are, you say a place close to where you really are because you know that whomever you're talking to doesn't really want you to be there. When you tell a story, you only tell part of the story because you don't want to make yourself sound bad in this story. Maybe you embellish the story from your perspective to make yourself sound better and the other people sound worse. You leave out the worst part of the story and you only tell the best 
part of the story. You manipulate. Man, you are really good at, at identifying. Yeah, I know because I was really good at living this way. And thank God he sent Megan into my life, who is a sign reader. She, is a, uh, she has an innate ability to have intuition and call somebody out when they're doing something goofy and they're telling a lie. And she made one mistake, though. She told me what my tell was. I would do something when I was lying in college, in college, before we were married. I've fixed it since then. But she told me, she, would she told me, you're doing that stupid thing again. And I was like, what? That! You yawn every time you let's like you're taking a bite of a Snickers and giving yourself time to think of the next lie that you want to tell. You have a tell. And listen, every person that lies to you, they have a tell. Every single individual. All you got to do is find it and then don't tell them what it is, okay? That's the mistake that we make. But we're all prone to lie because we're all tempted by our own sinful nature, by the world around us, and by the devil and powers and principalities of darkness themselves to lie. If you tell a story and you're having a conversation about someone, which by the way is unbiblical in sin, because we're not supposed to have, as children of God, we're not supposed to have conversations about people. We're supposed to have conversations with people. So if you're talking about someone, you should have been talking to someone instead of just making yourself feel better with somebody else that will possibly empathize with you and then you form your little gang of production against the other person instead of keeping unity as scripture requires. Anyways, that's another sermon for another day. But you may say something like, well, they said, and I told them, if you come in here one more time, I'm going to let you have the what for. And if I see you around the next time that you say, and you go through this whole list of everything you said to him and the person you're talking to is like you said that you really said that and you're like no but I thought it so that's just as bad no it's not that's two sins okay just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it that's the beauty of this series like we've already been over that you don't have to go there but we are convinced to lie the second thing the enemy will cause us to do is he will cause us to lie to ourselves not just to other people, but to ourselves. We will begin to justify our own sinful, maybe self-righteous acts. And then we have to begin to double down on the lies. We may begin to lie so often that we actually begin to believe our own exaggerations. I know, I know a person. You cannot take anything that they say for granted. Everything that comes out of that person's mouth you have to take with a grain of salt because you do not know what is the truth and what is not. And here's the saddest part. They have done this so many times and so often that they actually believe the lie coming out of their own mouth. It's a terrible place to be in, to convince yourself, to lie to yourself, to fool yourself. I've seen, some, I've seen somebody manipulate so many people around them that they begin to manipulate themselves into believing that they are the victim of their own sin. They believe they are the victim, even though it's their sin that led them into the place that they're in. 
but because they're willing to lie and manipulate to the people around them that will listen. They have convinced themselves that it is better for them to blame everything and everybody else because they are the victim of their environment rather than accepting responsibility and truly repenting. Well, I'm not hurting anyone. I can quit at any time. I only do it when it's necessary. I'm creating a better reality. What we're actually doing when we lie in that manner is we are rationalizing our own sin nature so that we can continue in it and answer for it later. The Bible says clearly, there is no thing hidden which shall not be revealed. Be sure and know your sin will find you out. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. You can chalk it up as biblical absolute and doctrine. The story of David, which I found out that Pastor Weston shared on Wednesday night. So somebody in youth is lying. God is trying to get somebody's attention in the teenage category right now. There's 70 students hearing the same message twice. Now, I didn't copy his notes, and I can't answer for him, but today I can honestly tell you that God is on the same page, and for some reason, we're both in tune with the Spirit this week. Thank you, Lord. David was in a place he never should have been. The Bible says in the time when kings would go out with their army, the time for kings came. And instead of David going and accomplishing what God had called him to do, listen to me, hear me, hear me, hear me, because y'all are kind of zoning out on me a little bit because I've been talking in the same tone. Anytime that you decide to stop doing what God has called you to, this is a sin of omission. It will always lead to a sin of activity. Anytime that you stop obeying what God has called you to do, you will begin to do things that he called you out of. David was in his palace, in his bedroom, on his rooftop, when it was time for him to be on the battlefield with his mighty men. Instead, he was standing over the balcony, staring at one of their wives while she bathed. And I could almost bet you that this wasn't the first time that David watched this woman bathe. I can almost bet you that this wasn't an accidental moment in David's life where he decided to stay home and rest and happened to walk out on the balcony. No, he planned this moment. He sent his army and her husband out so that he could continue to look and to watch and to do what he knows he should not be doing. But because he is king. He is a child of God. He is anointed of the Lord. He deserves to be able and rest because he has served his time. He has been involved in that ministry and now his season of rest is upon him. So he begins because he's not operating in the call of God. He begins to object and be disobedient and begin to desire things that God had already delivered him from and he gives 
gets his servant to go get that woman. He lays with her, commits adultery with her husband. Many of you know the story, but I don't want to assume that we all know. Many of us have seen this story arise at times. What happens next is David calls her husband back in from battle because she gets pregnant. He tries to get her husband drunk and lay with his wife, but he has so much integrity, he refuses to lay with his wife while his soldiers lay in the field of battle. He leaves, and because he did not come into David's plan, because he did not operate according to the lie that David was living, David sent a letter out to those who were in charge. They said, send the army out, put Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, on the front line, and as soon as the enemy attacks, pull your army back and leave him there to fend for himself, and he dies. Just a little while later, God, because there is no thing hidden which shall not be revealed, be sure and know your sin will find you out, whether you confess in this life or you're condemned in the next. It's totally up to you. The prophet comes to David. He tells a story. King David, there was a man. He was a rich man. He had many sheep. He had many lambs. He had many servants. There was a poor man who just had one lamb. He didn't have what the rich man had, but he had the one lamb. And he and his children loved that lamb. And when there was a banquet and there was a need for food and for meat, the rich man, knowing that the poor man only had one, instead of taking from his abundance, he decided to take that one lamb that was a pet of this family that the children loved, and he slaughtered that lamb instead of pulling from his own. He took advantage of that family and that lamb. And David was furious, just like we get whenever somebody lies to us, even though we've told 10 white lies in the last 72 hours. David was furious. David looked at the prophet Nathan and he said, who is it? Tell me who it is. I will have him brought before me right now. This man shall die and not live. He shall be brought before me and he shall be punished for his crime. And the prophet Nathaniel, Nathan looks at David and says, ah, ta, ish, which means in English, you are that man. You have lied to yourself. You've deceived yourself. And then, number three, you've begun to live the lie. This was my life growing up in God's house. I learned how to go to church on Sunday and Wednesday and all the extracurricular church activities in between. And I learned how to live another way Monday Tuesday, Thursday through Saturday. I learned how to live deceived, even believing that I was okay with God, even though the fruit that was being produced was more representative of a dead root than a redeemed root. God watched my life, and I learned, even with the friends that I would go to church with, 
how to talk just like everybody else, how to drink. And I'm not saying that having a drink is a sin that's going to send you to hell, but the Bible is very clear that when you get drunk and if you lead your brother astray, there will be some conviction and even some consequence in walking in that direction. I learned how to party. I learned how to run women just like the rest of them did. I had one foot in and one foot out, and the Bible says that I was detested and abhorrence and abomination before God because I learned how to live the lie and even believe it for myself. We may be perfect on Sunday, but there are many of us sitting in this room today that know we have secret obsessions and or addictions where we're reading novels or watching movies that we know we shouldn't be watching, where we're going to websites or look at, listen to me, friend, Jesus Christ does not stop paying attention when we turn on our device just because it has a passcode on it. He is the passcode. He knew your passcode before you made it up. He's looking at you, looking at stuff that you're not supposed to be looking at. Listen to me, sister. When you get ready for church in the morning, you got to pick certain outfits because you know you can't wear that one to the house of God. You wore it last night in front of everybody that wasn't your husband in front of, oh, I didn't go there today. You were willing to attract that attention that you know God doesn't desire for you because you think think that the attention of what God has created is going to fulfill you for who he created you to be. But we are all in that essence exchanging the truth of God for the lie of this life and the enemy himself. We look like we have a perfect marriage on Instagram and Facebook, but we're really trapped by our own comparison. And really we're extremely insecure we fight with people behind closed doors way more than we ever communicate or find substance in one another and build one another up because we are confiding in one another. We're living the lie. First John chapter 2, verse 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. The truth, Jesus, is not in that person. It's so easy for me to speak to because for far too long, I live that lie. And there are times, hear me, listen, there are times where if I'm not careful, I could drift back into that lie. And the only thing that keeps me is not my own righteousness, but my willingness to be honest and open with God and the people that he's put closest to me. Don't live a lie. See, the lying and the living are really just the, the byproduct. They're the fruit of the real issue. You see, the root of why we're not open and honest, the root that produces that fruit is that we really don't trust God. We don't really trust Him. We say we do. Well, I believe but we really just agree. Let me say it this way, a lack of trust will cause a lack of honesty. You can apply that to God or the people around you. A lack of trust will produce a lack of honesty. 
as we begin to wrap this thing up this morning, I want to tell you that there's some good news. I told you the enemy's plan for you. But let me tell you God's plan for you. See, God's plan is that you would know Jesus, that you would find freedom, discover purpose, and impact eternity. God's plan is that you would go through next steps, connect to God and connect to this body, discover more about yourself, and find a dream team to be involved in, to plug in and grow spiritually. God's desire for you is that you would sign up for a small group or a freedom group and begin to develop community with people that you didn't even know you could develop community with. God's plan for you is that you would confess to God for forgiveness and confide in others for healing. And some of you may say, well, Chris, I've tried that. I've tried that. I confided in others and they stabbed me in the back. I trusted them and they let me down. I don't know about you, but I have at times taken an apple from a bag, bit into it and discovered that it was more bitter than it was supposed to be. Like it did not have inside of it, even though it looked okay on the outside, maybe it went to church. <laughs> on the inside, it was full of worms. <laughs> you know what I didn't do? I didn't keep eating it. I threw that one away. And if I ever picked it up again, it'd be like this. As it goes outside. And I'm not saying that I would never look at it again. We would never have another conversation. But it would only happen at arm's length. The other thing that I didn't do is when the elder saint was led of the Holy Spirit to cook me an apple pie and bring it to my house. I didn't look at that pie and go, oh no, I've had apples before. They got worms. They're bitter and nasty. You take your pie, roll it up nice and tight. Well, I didn't do that. That's not what I did, okay? I ate the pie. You have confessed to God before. You've confided in others before. You got hurt, okay. But scripture still stands. 1 John 1, 9. Go right to 1, 9. If we confess our sin to him, he's faithful and just to forgive. And I don't have time to go into this, but let me just say adamantly and absolutely. You don't confess your sin to a man, woman, or child and receive eternal forgiveness. You can receive forgiveness from that person, but humans do not have the, hear me, absolutely. Humans do not have the ability to forgive divinely. They don't have the capacity to do it. They didn't die on the cross for you. He did. And the reason that he did it is so that he could have communion with you, not just confession from you. That's good preaching. If you confess to God, only God in the name of Jesus. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us and cleanse us. He didn't just forgive you. He's going to walk through the process with you. I've heard this three times. I even said it on one Wednesday night. Some of us have been acting ignorant for 15, 20 years. And we expect Amazon Prime results when it comes to our salvation. We want it in two days for free. Ship it to me, Jesus. 
Hey, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes your cleansing, your sanctification, your being made holy comes through a process from the one who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He forgives you and then he begins the process of cleansing us from all wickedness. But verse 10, watch. If, if we say we have not sinned, like if you won't admit it, if you still believe the lie, that you've been telling yourself and that the enemy has been whispering in your ear. If you say you have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. His word's not in our heart. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other. Get in a small group and confide in other people. Get plugged in to a dream team and work alongside other people to serve this community and every person that comes on campus. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I gotta tell you this story fast. And all of you are gonna need to turn right out of the sanctuary because St. Thomas More is gonna come down this way too because I've preached too long. True story. Thank you for the courtesy laugh. Have you ever seen that movie where you know the main character is lying? but nobody else in the movie knows. And you're watching the main character, you're just like, just tell him, just tell him. It gives me anxiety. Like I, I'm screaming it, just tell him, just tell him. And then not too long ago, I watched this show called The Green Arrow. Um, very few of you are gonna know what I'm talking about, but Oliver Queen, who is the Green Arrow, he unintentionally, it was unintentionally, he killed another guy that one of his best friends was actually dating at the time, and she was so upset, and he kept it a secret. He like wouldn't tell her, even though it was an accident. We're all like, just tell her, it was an accident. You didn't mean to kill him. It was, you accidentally killed him. It's gonna be kind of okay. Just let her know. And eventually he does, you're like, oh, thank God. For those of you who have no idea who Oliver Queen or the Green Arrow is, what about Mrs. Doubtfire? Hello! Yes, there we go. You've seen that movie. Like the whole time, we're like, Robin, your kids love you, bro. Just tell them. You don't have to be an old lady with cake on your face. Just tell them the truth. They're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Here's one. It's actually my favorite. Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so... There's this part in the movie where they're on an island and it's him and again, Robin Williams, <laughs> the genie. And Aladdin's character is trying to be a prince and he says to the genie, oh, I don't know what to do. And the genie like takes this board and this pointer and he goes, tell her the truth. And Aladdin, yeah, that was good, wasn't it? And so Aladdin, Aladdin's like, this is what he does. He takes his hat that's not really his, his prince hat, and he goes through the board that was made of smoke and really cool. And he's like, no way. She would never love me if she knew I was nothing but a crummy street rat. I'd never stand a chance. 
I don't know if this is the best example in the world or not today, but I pray that we could take this Disney movie and redeem it this morning because some of you are saying he would never love me if he knew who I was, if he knew who I really was. Listen to me. He doesn't deserve you and he should. That They will never love me if they knew where I really came from. Then they're not really your friend because your friend is will be like Jesus that will stick as close or closer than a brother. God would never love me. Baby, listen. He loved you when you were the dirt that the crummish street rat was walking on. He didn't die for you because he, you deserved it. He died for you because he desires relationship with you, communion with you. But you've got to be open and honest and accept the truth, which is Jesus Christ. He's still the way. He's still the truth. He's still the life. So stop trusting and leaning on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Stop being like me, weaving in and out of the lane of Christianity and suffering the consequences by going over the boundaries. Lean into Jesus, acknowledging him, and walk that narrow path that is God's plan for you and everybody around you. That's who he is. That's what he wants. Is that my big fat mouth would confess him as Lord and confide in the people that he put in my life to make me and to keep me like him. Would you bow your head, close your eyes.